Wrestling with Faith podcast. Uh, once again, uh, we have got um, one of the most prestigious guests I've ever had the pleasure to interview. And God knows in my heart, I'm telling the truth. I've got the one and only NWA and WCW legend that is Nikita Koloff. Nikita, most important question I'm going to ask you today. How are you? Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words. That's a very nice introduction. I may have to take you on the road with me and, uh, <laughs> and let you introduce me everywhere I go. But uh, I'm doing great, Dave, and it's just an honor to be here on Wrestling with Faith. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Brilliant, man. Love it. Absolutely love it. And you know what? You're looking well. You're sounding well. And uh, let's kick straight into it. So, Nikita, you and I have had a little bit of a chat off air, as I do with all of my guests before we, uh, before we hit the record button. And um, I want to discuss, obviously, the most important facts of why you and I are talking today. Um, the most important one is Jesus. It's the ministry. It's the gospel. It's God. It's our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And But that's something I want to hit on to um, in the second half of our meeting. First things first. Okay. Wrestling now, <clears throat> over the past sort of um, five to ten years now, with various different, more mainstream organisations competing with the likes of, dare we say, the artist formerly known as WWF, WWE. Um, I want to know, how did Nikita Koloff first start getting into wrestling? What was it that made you fall in love with it? And how did it all snowball from there? Well, it's, it's, it's a, the way you phrase the question, uh, I, I guess I have to be, well, I'm going to be brutally honest because this, this is wrestling with the faith, right? right? Wrestling yeah, yeah, with yeah. Faith. So, <laughs> so to be brutally honest, I, I didn't grow up in, I, I didn't grow up, you know, falling in love with professional wrestling. I, I, I just, you know, fo I fell in love with, with football. Now I'm talking the American version, not of the course. football there over there in the Premier League. <laughs> As you guys call uh, soccer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which side note, side note, a favorite, a favorite team. This may gain some followers for you or may lose some followers. Manchester United has been a favorite uh, a Premier League team that I have, have followed. So don't hold that against me. You and your, I won't, all brother. Your viewers, You're all right. Okay? You're still good. You're still good. I'm a Tottenham Hotspurs <laughs> fan, my sin, but my eldest son is a Manchester United fan, so I can't grumble too much at that. So it's all, all right. right, all right. So, <laughs> but but that said, so so American football was my my passion, my love, uh, weightlifting, bodybuilding, and then some of my buddies got into pro wrestling. Of course, Barry Darso, who would be uh, known as Crusher Khrushchev one of the demolition up in the WWF days yes. uh, and, and road warrior animal uh, ravishing Rick rude, Kurt Henning played high school football actually with Rude and Henning and against them in college. So some of my buddies all get into wrestling and then ultimately short version of the story is road warrior animals approached. If he knows any big guys who wouldn't mind shaving their head I like your barber, by the way, who wouldn't mind <laughs> shaving their head and becoming a Russian. And he goes, man, I know, I know just the guy right now. I made a five minute phone call to a promoter in Charlotte, North Carolina, Jim Crockett. Yeah. And uh, Nikita Koloff was born in the hallways of Charlotte in 1984. That's, that's how my wrestling career began from a wow. phone call. What a great pedigree though, to, 
to have those 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 college buddies in Ravishing Rick Road, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning as well. I mean, I'm assuming that obviously you guys grew up sort of through the uh, the football system, sort of the scholarships and things like that. And then did you did those guys just have that sort of did they branch up into wrestling first, dip their toe in the water, then obviously met up with the likes of the Road Warriors, and then you guys just sort of you then became involved through them. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting because back in the high school days, you know, Kurt Henning's dad wrestled, right? He was known as Larry the Axe Henning. Yes. In fact, I think he had a lot of uh, famous matches against a, a an English shooter hooker over there named Billy Robinson. Yes. Uh, yes. Way back in the day, Larry the Axe Henning. But he came to our football games, but no, you know, nobody really talked about. Hey, one day I want to be a pro wrestler. Kurt, Kurt did, I don't even remember him talking about that. But uh, I think through some some injuries in college uh all those guys kind of broke in about the same time that i just mentioned and it would be a couple years later because i went on to finish my college football career i was scouted by the national football league and and it was then that that i was training for football when i got that phone call from animal and talked to the promoter jim crockett and made a decision to pursue wrestling instead of football and then of course many of us would be you know would cross paths again now in in the wrestling ring uh not on a football gridiron yeah absolutely so what a great pedigree so obviously you know um those friends of yours have sadly since well say sadly they've, they've gone on to be with the lord now and what were those guys like to be around though like both on the football field and in the squared circle as well and in the locker room. Well, what I, I mean, they were some of them real cut ups. I mean, Kurt Henning was a real, a real cut up, a, a, a real, a real character to to say. You know, always a, a jokester. Maybe that's a a better word. Uh, rude sometimes as well. Um, yeah, and I'd say all all of them, man, from from Animal to Hawk. I mean, some of the other guys that were in high school with us that that ended up breaking in the Z Man, Tom Zink. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's just, we're a number of Barry Darso, as I mentioned, so many of them, uh, the heart, the challenge was, uh, many people have asked in the past, how did you get, when you were in the ring, cause I wrestled against a lot of the guys, right? Yeah. Against rude, against animal. And they're like, dude, how did you keep a straight face in the ring? You know, wrestling, you know, some of your best buddies, you know, from, from your younger days. And it was it was tough, but it was a mindset. And so we had a great time. I feel both in in and out of the ring. Excellent. You go on to about um, you've obviously wrestled against those guys as well as being on the same team in some occasions as well. And um, recently, I caught up again with uh, with a match in WCW with you versus Rick Rude, and um, you know Rick doing his obviously his heel you know, his hip pose and all that. And it just seemed that the chemistry was just absolutely spot on. It was just great. It really, really clicked. Did you guys obviously have that sort of chemistry when you when you eventually joined up in wrestling? Or was it something that you guys, you just had to work on from ground zero and really build that back up again from the football field and now start again in wrestling to have that chemistry in the ring? I, th I really feel like the I feel like the majority guys, Dave, that I stepped in the ring with, 
a good many of them. I can't, I can't say a hundred percent of them, but a good many of them, I, I feel like looking back that you meant, you say that you use the word chemistry that we were able to have uh, a really good match and an entertaining match for the fans that, that I felt like the fans would really enjoy. And so, you know, whether it was rude or whether it was Ric Flair, Rick Steamboat, I mean, just go down the list. We've got the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. I can just go right down the list. Uh, Dory Funk Jr., Blackjack Mulligan, some of yes. the older, more legendary names that I had the privilege of being in the ring against. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like we gave them, we, we, there was just a certain chemistry. Obviously, it was different with different guys, but I really felt like there was a pretty decent chemistry between all the guys I stepped in the ring with, the majority of them. Perfect. Obviously, Nikola, uh, Nikita Koloff, obviously, with um, the rest of the Russian faction as well. You guys just got hate, natural hate. Part of that, would you maybe agree, was down to the politics at the time, as well as, obviously, you guys portraying yourself as, as the Russian heels. There was a lot, obviously, going on politically, as I'm sure you were well aware at the time, between um, Russia and the US as well. Um, what was it like being a bad guy? What was it like being a heel, cutting the promos and then coming out to that kind of heat? Yeah, de deemed, uh, uh, you know, the Cold War era, right? So yeah. it was not difficult to step in the ring and, and get the fans, you know, chanting USA, USA, USA. Uh, I mean, I was for real. And again, it was a different era, right? Like people, I, I think, you know, knew it was entertainment, but it still had yet to be exposed as, as uh, sports entertainment, right? Yeah. We still really projected the realism of wrestling, even though people had their ideas, but they couldn't, you know, first for yet prove it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so to speak. And so, we would have like at one point I was I was voted the number one most hated guy in professional wrestling. You know, I lived, ate and breathed the Russian character to, to the hilt. And there were numerous times that that uh, that, you know, they would get threats at the wrestling office or uh, there were a half a dozen different times, Dave, that I had fans jump the barricade attempt to get in the ring in fact the very first time it happened the great american bash 1985 yeah. my first ever match against the nature boy rick flair a fan actually got his hands on me because i wasn't really expecting it and i didn't know that's who it was initially but i will tell you after that my antennas were up and i was looking for it but literally we had a half a dozen matches one last a quick caveat. It probably didn't hurt, or you might say help, that Uncle Ivan Koloff would, <laughs> would he'd come on. Like, for example, we wrestle in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is where Fort Bragg is located, okay? And Ivan would cut promos and say, I want to see all you soldier boys in the front row wearing your yellow dresses. And I'm like, wow. really, Ivan? <laughs> like, Really? Yellow dresses. I'm like, that might get some heat. And it did. Yeah. And Dave, they were in the front row 
but they they weren't wearing yellow dresses and they let us know real quick we were number one in, in their heart if you know what i mean wow but i bet the promoters loved it though because these guys are buying tickets yeah <laughs> well, yeah yeah no the promoters did love it yeah we were we were filling up filling up auditoriums absolutely fantastic because obviously looking at that i mean you've touched upon some of the guys that you grew up with that we know household names nikita i'm not going to lie over the past couple of years sort of since lockdown i've got a couple of guilty pleasures right one of them is i collect masters of the universe he-man figures it's a guilty pleasure but there could be worse things I could be spending my money on, right? And the second thing is, I've got back into my old school WWF Hasbro figures. So I've got Rick, I've got Kerb, do you know what I mean? I've got my favourite tag team of all time. You touched upon it at the beginning with Barry. It was demolition what got me into wrestling. Because when those guys stepped out, I mean, I'd, I'd never even seen them wrestle. But just the attire with those masks, and I was like, these dudes ain't Hulk Hogan. Do you know what I mean? This is something complete. These aren't macho man kind of thought. This is something completely different. So, yeah, so touching upon that, you're rattling through all these guys who you know you've worked with. I think I've probably got the figures stashed away somewhere in a cupboard, <laughs> which is class. <laughs> That's so, awesome. And obviously on that, I mean, I keep telling my wife it's a retirement fund. She's not buying it, though, Nikita. She's not buying it, but she will do when I sell them. She will do then. She was the first one capping out. Um, but on that as well, I mean, obviously you grew up with these guys. You've got the promotions. I saw a great bit of footage of you when you put uh, the Russian sickle uh, on uh, David Crockett as well. You know, you know you, you're at the peak of your powers. Can you tell us? all the accolades that you won firstly in NWA because you won belt after belt and co-shared title after title. Can just go through it all because it's incredible the amount of uh, titles you won then. No, I, I appreciate it. And let me, I, I, let me get to that real in, in just a moment. And a little side note, when, when Barry left, you know, he was Crusher Khrushchev and, and that was, he was part of one of our titles, which was yes. the, World six man NWA six man champion. That's the one. And when he left for New York, he actually asked me to go with him. He he shared with me what he was gonna do. He was gonna create this tag team demolition. And did I want to go with him? And I'm like, Barry, I go, man, I've worked too hard on being the Russian nightmare. I don't want to go up to New York. You know, they were infamous for changing your character, putting, you know, yeah. being somebody else. Yeah. And I go, I worked too hard on this, man. You know, developing the accent. <laughs> legally changing my name and all that i said i wish you well god bless you uh but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna stay here in the nwa that said yeah what i mean my my career dave was was uh, meteoric and what i mean by that is the day i showed up at the crockett office in charlotte north carolina um they immediately put me on an interview set he said being to raleigh north carolina tomorrow night you're gonna wrestle on television People have to understand and realize that they don't already. I had no amateur wrestling background, so I wasn't a Billy Robinson, right? I had wow. no professional training like all of my buddies had. I had none, zero. So when they said be in Raleigh, North Carolina, get wrestle on television, I had yet to step into a wrestling ring, and I'm going to debut on TV having never been in a ring. And 11 seconds later, I had my first win in professional wrestling that night in the Dorton Arena. From there, in just 13 months, I became the world tag team champion, the world six-man champion, and I'm wrestling the blonde-haired guy in the first ever 
American Bash, Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title. Uh, and so between those belts and titles, the U.S. belt, best of seven against Magnum TA. Yeah. So the United States title, I unified that belt with defeating Wahoo McDaniel, who had the national heavyweight title, unified those two matches, went on to have both of those belts. I would later become the world TV champion, MWA, and unify that and the UWF title against Terry Taylor at Starcade 87. I'd have those two belts. And then other accolades, most inspirational wrestler, et cetera, and never won the world heavyweight title, but for your listeners, for your viewers, Rick Fla Rick Flair offered it to me twice, and I turned it down two times. For wow. the record, let's let's expand on that then. What, what, why? Will be the first question a lot of that a lot of people don't know ask. That, right? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. He offered it to me, and and in my mind, essentially, it's just the timing. Essentially, wasn't right. For those who maybe again don't know, you know, I had a wife, Mandy, who who uh, was diagnosed with cancer at age 24. She passed away at age 26. Yeah. I actually literally walked away from a main event position to take care of her, said I'd be back. And it was after her passing that Rick reached out to me. Uh, he was he was booking at the time. He had the belt at the time and offered it to me. And I'm like, you know. I'm just Rick. Thank you, but no, thank you. Several weeks later, he he made a second attempt, and again, I just said thank you, but no, thank you, and have no regrets, Dave. For the record, a lot of people say, do, you know, do you regret not not winning the world belt or taking the world belt? And I honestly don't. I, I think I'm one of the few guys who maybe was it was offered and turned it down. I mean, yeah. I'm in a probably a rare category. Yeah, but I mean, let's be brutally honest. I mean, obviously, just touching up on that point, Nikita. You had far more pressing things going on in your life at that time. I mean, you're only still young yourself. You're, you're in your 20s. You've got a wife who's, who's terminally ill in her 20s as well. And you had such like, you touched upon there, a meteoric rise. I mean, it was fast. It was bang, bang, bang. You know, you had no amateur training. Bang. Yeah. Welcome to the, uh, welcome to the, the NWA. By the way, there's your first match. Get on with it. You're on TV. Crack on. Did you feel that obviously within the wrestling business itself, and obviously what was going with your personal life, did at any point did you feel this is all coming a little bit too fast? Or was you, were you able to, to mentally cope with everything that was going on? Fortunately, I've, I've always been a quick adapter. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, coachable, teachable. So whether it was weightlifting, football, uh, wrestling, um, surrendering my life to Jesus and, 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 being a follower of him, which I know we're going to talk about that. Uh, I've been a, a, I've been very coachable and teachable. Uh, and, and so very grateful to, to Ivan Koloff, Don Kernodal, uh, Dusty Rhodes and others who were instrumental Ric Flair in, in learning at an accelerated pace, learning the wrestling business, uh, the behinds the scene scenes, the mechanics what was you? What was we used to call psychology, the old school psychology of wrestling, and so I, I adapted pretty quick, uh, very well. You know, which which uh, only only uh, ex helped to accelerate my success, um, and and it was just a 
although it was a, a quick mental ascent, uh, I'm grateful to have great mentors around me who helped me learn that. And, and then even coping, you know, with, with the illness, with Mandy's illness, and, and then taking time to kind of grieve that loss mm. before I jumped back into the wrestling circle. Um, just look back and just, just thankful and grateful that I've been a, a, a quick adapter. Amen. Because like I say, I mean, and thoroughly deserved as well with all the accolades that you got with it. I mean, here's a guy who's got no wrestling background whatsoever, throws himself into it. And you're an instant hit with the fans. I mean, you know, Bully Ray once said there were some, there were some people who just cannot buy strong heat. You could just get that anywhere you went. Um, but then obviously you went to WCW uh, after that as well. You had Dusty. Uh, in your corner, uh, God loving. Um, and it wasn't too long, was it, into your WCW career where you became a face or a baby face, as it's known. And there was just as much looking at some of the footage um, and watching a match where you fought Vader, Van Vader. And I believe it was like a, was it a Nintendo uh, top 10 challenge or something in WCW? And the love for you was, uh, and I'm not saying it just because you and I are talking now, but I sat there and watched and I thought, that's almost like the WCW equivalent at that time of like a Hogan pop when you came out because it was just so loud. How did you find the transition from turning from heel into face into WCW? Well, it's a great question. And, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful Grateful that I, I had the opportunity to, to have that experience. In fact, I was talking earl- earlier, just earlier today, to Magnum TA. Wow. Um, and it was because of, you know, really the catalyst to my turning turning was his accident when he broke his neck in a car accident, a car wreck. In fact, him and I, are th- this coming weekend, we're going to do a, a, an autograph signing together and, and, uh, uh, fan opportunity he'll have a replica of the u.s belt that we fought that best of seven series over awesome. and, and so yeah he was instrumental that uh, the unfortunate uh car accident was instrumental in my turning and becoming uh a tag team partner with the american dream death to roll the tower of power <laughs> to yeah. the, the power if you will yeah the superpower that key to call off death of road but anyway, there's a little, that was awesome. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> so, so, you know, they, 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 the, the wrestling uh, fan base says, and many of them say that that was one of the one, the best kept secret and also one of the best turns and one of the biggest pops. Tony Schiavone said uh, is on record as saying the biggest pop ever of his broadcasting career wow. was the night I turned with Dusty Rhodes in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then moving on to then have that experience, you know, on that side of the tracks as a baby face, as a good guy. Um, I look back on with very fond memories and, and of, of all the guys, again, that I stepped in the ring with, whether it was Van Vader or now, now Ric Flair flipping it the opposite, yeah. you know, with me being the good guy, him being the bad guy. Yeah. It was just great memories all the way around, Dave. Yeah, fantastic. And you look like you're having, you look like it, it just came natural to you as well. I mean, you know, here you are, you, you're tag teaming with Sting as well against the Valentines, you know, and 
you know, looking at it, I mean, you can tell me more than, more than what, what I can say as a wrestling fan watching it. But the likes of Vader and Valentine, they didn't seem the kind of guys to sort of pull out on punches and things. like that. I mean, they look like heavy hitting guys as well. I mean, I saw you getting splashed by Vader in the corner. I thought there's no way you can <laughs> falsify that because when Vader's running at you, 350 pounds plus uh, X mile an hour, it's going to hurt. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, it, correct. <clears throat> and, and I try to help, right. I try to help fans understand uh, my, my dear friend, Lex Luger, you know, we do, we do ministry together. We yeah. do this, you see the shirt here, man camp. I'm yeah. wearing what we'll, we do camps and conferences and lots of ministry together. But back in the day, uh, Lex would say it, it's not an exact science. So whether you got a 350, 400, 500 pound guy jumping off the top rope or splashing you in the corner, you know, a, a, a stinger, a Lex Luger, you know, so many others that I stepped in the ring against. Uh, you know, a big, big men of wrestling, it, it timing only has to be off of a fraction, a nanosecond yeah. for a very serious injury to take place or to happen. Uh, but even then, even that said, you know, I'll tell people, look, if I got slammed on a concrete floor, I don't care if I knew the slam was coming or not. My body is still going to feel the concrete. Right, 100%. and my body is still gonna feel Big Van Vader splashing <laughs> me in a turnbuckle. There's no give to that turnbuckle, no, right? No preparation. And, <laughs> right. So, so you are correct. You are spot on uh, when it comes to the 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 physical side of professional wrestling. Yeah. Set aside that it's entertainment. It's a very physical side and i bet um obviously you can see the difference between what went on when you was in your peak in nwa and wcw would you say and and this isn't calling anybody out at all on this but would you say that wrestlers now are better looked after by more mainstream um entities than what they maybe were back then was there a lot more was it just a case of that back in the day that you know if you had an injury it was just a case of you had to just sort of walk it off, run it off, you know, grow, grow a pair. And do you think nowadays more wrestlers are more looked after by in terms of physical well-being, mental health, um, and also nutrition as well, compared to what it was like maybe 20, 30 years ago? No, another great question. Uh, the expression that comes to mind, you, you put a few out there. Uh, I'll, I'll use this one. Suck it up, buttercup. Um, <laughs> okay. Because what I want your I, what I want your audience to understand is, back in the days prior to contracts, yes. Okay, when I first started, there were no contracts. You got paid by how many people were in the seats, yeah. how many people were in the bill, how many people bought a ticket. So you worked your tail off to try to get as many people in the building as possible, whether through an interview or your actions in the ring. Or, or an outcome, a finish, as we call it, you worked your tail off, okay? And you were completely on your own. There was, I mean, if you got injured, you had two choices. Suck it up and wrestle hurt the next night. And for sake of time, I won't go. They'll, people have to, you see, there, there's a couple books I got sitting here. One, A Tale of the Ring and Redemption. The other, Wrestling with Success. That's the life story. If somebody wants wants more of the Nikita story, that's a good, you can go on the website and get it. Yeah, Wrestling with Success, 
motivational, inspirational. Here's the point in, in showing you those books and sharing that with you is in those days, if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. There's no contract. If you don't work, you don't get paid. So I could, I could share stories that are in the book of nights I wrestled with some very serious injuries because I had to. I was the main event wrestler against Ric Flair or pick a name, the Road Warriors, pick a name, whoever. You had to wrestle. There were no doctors on site. Insurance wasn't even an issue, wasn't even a question. We had no insurance. We were on our own. So if you got injured, you had to go to the hospital. That was coming out of your pocket to pay for that injury. And so unlike today where they do have doctors on site, these guys have health coverage and all of that, none of that in those days. So yes, it is quite a different business. It's a different world. wise and everything else. Our vitamins, our purchase of vitamins came out of our pocket, Dave. Fair play to you, fair play. And moving on to obviously the most important part of why I'm really blessed to have you on the podcast because obviously I'm conscious of time and I, I don't want to take up your full afternoon, um, is <clears throat> our faith as well. Now, when you obviously were in the thick of it, you were in the locker room, were you surrounded by guys who had faith as well, uh, who helped you get more curious about it? Or were you already within your steps with Christ before you got into the wrestling business? Okay, so... First part of the question: Were there were we surrounded by those those you know, followers, you know, guys who had faith, believers in Christ? And the short answer would be no. Right. Um, if 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 God or Jesus came up in conversation, I'll just say it wasn't in a very favorable light. Yeah, Let's yeah. just get that yeah. way. If though if that came up in our conversation, okay. Um, there was only one guy that I was aware of. In fact, I interviewed him on my own podcast. It was an incredible story. His name was George South. He has spent 40 years in professional wrestling um, since very early age and mostly on the underneath card, but a, a great a great hand, as we called him. I mean, it was a guy like George South that made a guy like Nikita Koloff, the Russian Nightmare, look good, Okay. He was, I, they have a fancy name for it now. They call him enhancement talent. We didn't call him that back in the day, okay? <laughs> but George, we knew George was always in the building because he had what these, they were called little witnessing uh, uh, salvation tracks. And and he, they'd be in the bathroom or in the bathroom stall and someone like, ah, oh, George is here again, you know. Um, but, you know, none of us ever had a conversation uh, about that. And so that's the first part of the answer. No, we weren't surrounded with it. Um, no, I was not a Christ follower back in those wrestling days. Just like I didn't grow up in Russia. I didn't grow up in church either. Uh, that's not to say, Dave, that I didn't know the story. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to tell you I didn't maybe glance at one of those tracks or, or maybe attend a church service occasionally in my early days. Um, but I, you know, but, but Jesus wasn't on my radar. That wasn't what I was interested in. And it wasn't until 11 months after I chose to walk away from wrestling under my own terms that on the 17th of October, 1993, about 11 months after I officially left wrestling. In fact, my last match was against B. 
big Van Vader. Yeah. It wasn't until then that I was at a church, at an altar, surrendering my life to Christ, and life has never been the same since that encounter that day. Amen. Because I've been watching some of the ministries even before I reached out to you and uh, asked you to come on the podcast. Um, one of the really, really touching ones, and you've mentioned the guy already, is um, one of your ministries with Lex. Um, and I'd seen Lex's testimony before, um, just like I've seen Ted DiBiase's testimony before. And, um, and obviously, when I saw all three of you guys, it was during the lockdown period. So I was working from home. I had a lot more time to fire up the laptop, watch wrestling, and then think, right, actually, no, something else has just spun up. Shawn Michaels is a Christian. Who else is a Christian in wrestling? You know, and, and it just spun off from there. And I, honestly, God is my witness. Just it, it was just so moving. It genuinely was moving. Um, and Ted's was moving. Lex's was very moving course we don't need to go into details a lot of lex's downfall if we can call it that was well publicized um but he's praise god he's uh, he's come through the other side of all that and then yours as well so you've gone on now you've created where did the ministry come from and, and 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 how did you get lex on board as well where did this all steam from so you've had that moment in the church you surrendered to christ where did where did it all sort of build up from there then yeah, it's, it's again, I look back at my story, Dave, and I'm just like the best, if I were to summarize it in, in one word, my life has been surreal. And, and m many of the things I've had the privilege of doing, whether it was weightlifting, bodybuilding, football, wrestling, now serving Christ as a Christ follower, now having traveled to, uh, at this point, 30 different countries, yeah. all 50 states in America, uh, preaching in over 1200 churches to audiences as little as one, as big as over 73,000 in Jamaica, wow. the Island of Jamaica. Awesome. And now the conferences and the camps. And, and I have had the privilege of having some role in some of the guys coming to Christ. Uh, I mentioned uncle Ivan, right? Yeah. Um, I knew Ivan's lifestyle cause I traveled with him. And it was in 1995, about a year and a half after I surrendered my heart to Jesus, that I invited Ivan to a revival. He came. I didn't even know he was there until he was at the altar surrendering his life to Christ. Amen. And that, that night, like for real, Dave, he was set free of drug addiction, alcohol, tobacco addiction. I mean, bam, all wiped clean. That was Ivan. I had an opportunity to witness to Sting. We didn't mention his name, but in 1995, I corralled him in a corner at the Charlotte Coliseum during some matches. I was already retired, but I, I, I man, I just told him all about Jesus. And it would be a few years later, August of 98, that he would give his life to Christ. Yeah. And then I'd begin to mentor him and his family uh, for about a five, six year period. Lex, fast forward Lex, I saw him that night, but I didn't have a chance to share my faith with him, but it would be 11 years later in 2006 that a jail chaplain would lead Lex to the foot of the cross. We would get reconnected two months after that happened, and then I would begin to disciple and mentor Lex to where he ended up actually living with me for 10 months in, 
in, in 2015. Wow. And out of that time together, Dave, uh, God gave us a vision for our man up conferences and the man camp that we now do twice a year. In fact, we got one coming up in the month of April and men will come in from all over, all over the planet to uh, be a part of these camps. And so I feel fortunate. I've had some role, a uh, Magnum TA, he's, he is a Christ follower. And so a number of these guys, Road Warrior Hawk, an yes. animal. Yes. I, I had an opportunity really to, through my first book I wrote called Breaking the Chains, I had an opportunity to witness Hawk come to a conference, go to an altar and surrender his life to Christ, bring him on the road with me for a year and a half prior to his passing yeah. and be able to mentor and disciple Hawk. So I feel very fortunate to Amen. have that opportunity with, with a number of these guys. That's awesome. And leading these guys to Christ as well. And so they can be with the Lord. So one of these days, we're all going to be reunited. We'll know all things when we're all together yep. as well. Amen. Yep. And that's Eternity. fantastic. Yeah. Let's talk about briefly then. Um, the man up and man camp. Give us some background then. What's it all about? Yeah. So the the vision, you know. So I do. So we do these. You, people probably pick up on a theme here. So I do a one day conference in local church communities called Man Up. It's actually the name of the podcast and and now a TV show. Now I have a TV show called the Man Up Show as well. Just launched. Uh, just couple weeks ago but um the conferences and and, and the conferences kind of lead into the the camp but it all centers around um being healthy and being whole in spirit soul and body and so the idea is men come to a conference men come to a camp and and the camp itself is a deep dive i mean it's it's five days right the conference is five hours the camp is five days so they get a taste of the camp at the conference. But what we want to do, Dave, is we want to, I say it this way, we want to teach and train, equip, and empower men to be godly men, godly husbands, and godly fathers, Amen. and then deploy them back home to walk out everything they learn at the conference and everything they learn at the camp. And we have such amazing stories of how these camps and conferences uh, have transformed marriages, relationships with sons and daughters, business relationships, and, and, and we've seen what I call lasting fruit from the men who are willing to come and take either a few hours or take a few days for those who really want to deep dive. Yeah. And we've seen lasting fruit lifelong changes and i tell guys i'd summarize to say this you know if you're going to come to the man camp it's not an event no. it's it's not it's not an event it's an experience and you're going to come and set yourself in you're going to put yourself in a setting where perhaps you'll hear from god in ways you never have before or fresh new ways and you're going to go back home and you're not even going to have to tell people what you experienced they're going to just see the changes yeah. in you and that will speak more that'll speak louder than any words that would come out of your mouth that's awesome that's, so that's what we do that's amazing man i mean that's that's full-on discipleship work as well i mean it's almost yes. like these men that are coming to the camp as well as the conference but the camp in particular they're going on their own road to damascus aren't they i mean they're going to get yeah. that veil lifted 
their life yes. is going to change completely. They're going to go from the persecuting of the Christians like Saul did. So if you're going, hang on a minute, I'm Paul now. What am I going to do now? And he obviously wrote most of the New Testament scriptures. This is this what is this the idea then, Nikita, that these that in, in a roundabout way that these guys are coming to literally surrender their life to Christ, have their own road to Damascus, and they'll never look at the world and their relationships in the same way again for the better. Is that the idea? Well, yeah, I mean, what's interesting is so so many come, many, many come from a church background that wow. come to the camps. Many come from a church background. But here's what's interesting. A, a couple quick stories. Um, one of our last camps, I had a man come to me during lunch, a couple days in, and he said, hey, you know, I want to share this with you this morning. I was out doing my morning devotional out with the Lord, my quiet time with God, reading the book. And God spoke to my heart and said, he said, Greg, you, you got saved in your head, but you've never opened up your heart and invited me into your heart. And I like to say, you know, there's many I've learned that have a, a head knowledge of salvation, but there's no real life, no real lasting life change because that story's never made the trip from their head down to their heart. Yeah. I go, what did you do? He said, I, I bawled like a baby. I just fell to my knees and I opened up my heart and said, God, come on in. Jesus, come into my heart. He goes, I, I got saved this morning. I go, if you don't mind my asking, Greg, how old are you? He said, 69 years old. I go, how long you been in church? He goes, most of my life. And he said, and I'm the chairman of the deacons. Now, some might, may or may not know what that means, but that's a pretty prominent position in an American church, a Western church, a deacon. And, and so that's one quick story. The other day, I interviewed this couple, Bill and Dana Turner, for my the Man Up TV show. And I said, Dana, can you share with the audience, were there any changes you witnessed in Bill coming home? She says this, Dave, she goes, I tried to beat him home from camp, but he got home first. I walk in the door and he's on his knees in the kitchen. I'm like, what's going on? Everything okay? Wow. He said, she said, he starts weeping and starts asking for forgiveness Amen. for all these different things. You know, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Right. And he said, you know, she said, she goes, I, I was like blown away. And, and, you know, he, Bill was at camp two, three years ago. So the, the changes are remaining. And the other part is that Bill and Dana and, and a pastor's wife named April have their own radio show on a Christian station in Aiken, South Carolina. He starts apologizing and asking for forgiveness of April on the air. And April's wow. like, I don't know what camp you went to, but I'm sending my, my <laughs> husband to, to that camp, right? And, and he came, Pastor Paul came, awesome. and the camp was life-changing for Pastor Paul. So, and by the way, it's not just men in ministry. Men come from every walk of life. I mean, plumbers, electricians, attorneys, they every walk of life attend the camp. That's awesome because God's love is not exclusive. And right. God's, no, God's no respect to a person's. The scripture says so. Right. You know, he died for, when he said it died for everybody, he died for everybody. You know, and it, it, it's not an exclusive club, you know, as, as you and I know. But I can relate to that, having got up there for so many years thinking, yeah, check me mm -hmm. out. I'm a Christian. And it's like, yeah, but you're not living like a Christian. And God was saying mm -hmm. that to me for years. It's like, no, no, you need like 
like you just said, you need to get me from there into there and then out there. You don't need to start telling people like the, the hypocrites, like the Pharisees, people will just see me at work in you. They'll just see it and they'll, they'll be curious. And what I've found in my walk with Christ, certainly in the last few years is people ask me, why don't you go out anymore and do these things and go out and, um, and party and all this lot it's anywhere near the level like you it's because it's almost like you know you, you have that favorite meal for years and then one day you, you stick the knife and fork in you put it in your mouth and it's like it just doesn't taste the same anymore mm. and i'm like that with the music i listen to now you know i just i, I give tons and tons of cds away to a charity shop local to me because it just doesn't feel the same. It's not, you know what I mean? And now I'm like, I'm more gospel music. I'm more like historical black gospel and just worship music. That's what I'm doing when I'm going out running. When I'm doing a 5K run or if I can stretch to a 10K nowadays. But when I'm running, it's it's all, it's it's just God. God, 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 God. The word, scripture, the word, scripture. I'm listening to Andrew Womack. I'm listening to Dwayne Sheriff, all different guys who are like really good at like teaching the word. And I find that gets me more jacked now than putting on rock music like I used to back in the day. Well, because in, and you, you bring up some very valid points, Dave, because I mean, when the light, Jesus said, I am the light, right? He said, he said, I am a number of things. I am the door. Like he's the door. He, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, nobody nobody comes to the Father except through me, period. That's what Jesus yeah. said. John 14, 6. He said, I am the light. I am the gate. I am the door, right? So he says, I am all these things. So when you have him dwelling and living in you, when you open up your heart and you invite him in, and now you got the light of the gospel living in you, that should be beaming out of you. Now, yeah. to that point, when you first surrender your life to Christ, you become what well, I like the phrase a babe in Christ, yes. liken it to the birth of a child, right? An infant who needs a lot of nurturing and caring, changing a few diapers, feeding and burping, right? All right. No different than your spiritual journey. Yes. You know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, one of the highest educated Pharisees of his time, hey, don't be shocked or surprised when I say you must, must be born again not you should be yeah. you must be if you want to even see the kingdom of god let alone enter the kingdom of god you must be born again so i say that to say once you experience that life's just never going to be the same and then you're going to grow up and mature like you're doing dave listening to more christian music or sermons or these other things so that you and i can grow and mature from from infancy into childhood into adulthood as a christ follower so just parallel a physical birth to a spiritual birth and just like we grow up physically we should be on that same path to grow up spiritually 100 the narrow path and the narrow gate all the way brother and it's also as well to do that you put yourself through that because you want to be a blessing to others as you said about steve about lex um you know um about uh, magnum as well and various others within the industry that's just the industry let alone the other the other men and women that you've you've obviously led to christ before you have to do that because it's a blessing to others it passes through you 
to be a gift to other people. And that's what true discipleship is all about. You know, it's being a blessing to others in the name of Jesus um, as well. Brother, I'm conscious of time. Um, we, we went slightly up. I thought I was keeping you, but I'm loving this, man. Honestly, I, I truly. And you know what? I would it's love good, it. Man. I would good. love it if, if we could catch up later in the year sometime as well. Do you know what I mean? That would be an absolute blessing to me for us to catch up and do this again. Um, I normally ask everybody who I speak to on the podcast in a wrestling sort of sense, who would be their top four guys? If they could put together their own Survivor Series team of wrestlers past and present, um, whether it's guys you've worked with or not, Nikita, if you could quickly, as a captain of a Survivor Series team, who would be the guys who you know could have your back? Man, you're, that's a tough, me and four other guys, that's what you're saying? Me and four yep, other guys? 100%, yeah. Oh, man, you're really putting, you're really putting me to the test there. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, gosh, I'm going to go with, I, I'm going to go with Stinger. I got to go with the Stinger, man. I'm going to go with Sting. I'll go with The Rock, uh, HBK, and I'm going with some of the older guys, but, but that's the most of the guys that, you know, I, I was in or out of the ring with. So, yeah. so Stinger, The Rock, HBK. So there are a couple WWF guys, WWF guys in there, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, let's see, who would be the other one? Sting's still rocking, though. Still, still, Sting's huh? still rocking it. Did you see him at, at AW Revolution jumping? Jumping the barrier I, I, as well. I, I Yeah, no, not <laughs> only did I see it. I'm like, dude, I'm praying for you even harder now, you know. I think like Tony Schiavone and JR were as well. <laughs> I, I, I took screenshots of that. I said, I texted to him and I said, dude, I, I, I am, I am, you, I have elevated, elevated my prayers for you, Sting. You know, so anyway, yeah, I know, I know. So who would be that last one? Man, there's so many good ones out there. So many good ones. Um, uh, Undertaker, I'm gonna go with the Undertaker. Yeah, 100%. It's just great. I mean, Undertaker's like he's just transcended, hasn't he? From that old school sort of 80s, um, you know, sort of making your bones. Um, and then just he made that character, didn't he? His own Mark, Mark made that character his own. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's hard to carry that sort of gimmick, man, for over 30 years. I'm sure you can appreciate as well. Um, I do, I have nothing but yeah, nothing but respect for Mark. And no. another one as well, who's been led to the Lord uh, with his wife, Michelle, as well. His wife, um, a, a Christ follower. And yeah. she, she, I guess she, she she hammered him enough that he's like, fine, fine. I'm going <laughs> to to Jesus. Okay, okay. Nikita, so. you and I both know, brother, we've all been there. We've all been yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. We're coming to the end of the podcast. And obviously, this is amazing. Obviously, when it goes out, this is going to be an absolute blessing not just to wrestling fans um, who obviously love the, um, the the 80s and the 90s wrestling and the NWA, uh, which is still going really, really strong as well. I caught up with some shows on that recently, NWA and WCW. Um, but it's going to be a blessing to, to men in particular who have been curious about the journey, who know that in their heart, maybe the lifestyle is not quite right. Maybe the relationships in their life are not quite right. This is going to be a blessing. So what I want you to do, um, I'm going to ask you at the very, very end to pray us out, if you don't mind. But before you deal with that, brother, and I'm going to put the links at uh, on the YouTube and on the Twitter feed and Facebook feed as well. 
where can people get hold of Nikita Koloff Ministries? Where can they get your book and obviously keep in touch about Man Camp as well? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a essentially a one-stop shop. And so on this website, you could you could purchase the books, which by the way, I personally autograph every book that's purchased. You can purchase those on the website as well as some other things. You can link right to the Man Up podcast on the website. You can read more, learn more, click the link for the Man Camp, learn more about the camp on the website. You can link to all of the social media, Facebook, Twitter. We got a brand new Nikita Koloff fan page, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all right there on koloff.net, K-O-L-O-F-F, koloff.net, one-stop shop. Follow me, link to everything I'm doing right there and uh, just uh, man just appreciate you having me on the show today not at all and also as well uh, on calloff.net as well you are able to make donations to the ministry um so donate because this 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 man's doing the work of god and, and he's got a great team around him as well um that, that are building his faith as well as him building their faith and always 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 remember this folks you can never outgive god whatever you give it'll be crushed down and thrown back at you with cups that you would you won't have enough cups to be able to contain that blessing. So you can never outgive God, folks. Keep on with it. Support this guy. Support everything he's doing. Um, Nikita, um, are you ever going to be coming to the UK anytime soon? Are there any plans? Um, I know obviously we've had the pandemic, etc., which has slowed a lot of things down. Um, but are there any plans um, at all to uh, to get back on the plane and come across to this side of the pond? I'm hopeful. In fact, a couple a couple things that come to mind. Um, uh, actually, I had uh, a a promoter in in Scotland uh, reach out to me, and and we've been chatting back and forth about the possibility of coming and making some appearances uh, there, in in, uh, in perhaps I guess maybe UK, England, and maybe and or Ireland. My my sister and brother actually uh, brother in law uh, have reached out, and we were actually gonna. I'd, I'd not ever been to Ireland. We were planning a trip to Ireland, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. And so we, we kind of put all that on hold, but we're hoping to uh, you know, put stunning. that in motion again. You'll love um, that. Yeah. And, and her and I, my brother, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on air or not, but, you know, my, my mom, I have English roots. My mom was born outside of Carlisle, a little town called, a little village called Hayden. Yeah. Several years ago, after her passing, um, my brother, brother-in-law, and my sister and I all made a, a an adventure to to England. We spent about eight days in, uh, of course, in London, up in Carlisle, and all the little villages around there. Yeah. Um, you know, looking for family history and our roots, wow. and had a phenomenal time. So I do hope to make it back to to London, back to the back to England as well as Ireland and Scotland sometime here and hopefully the near future. Awesome. Drop me an email if and when you do, brother. Do you know what I mean? Because it would yes, be a pleasure to catch up. Um, we're right at the very end now. So I just want to say thank you to uh, Nikita Koloff. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, the man with a deadly Russian sickle has blessed us. Um, his afternoon, our evening in the UK with an absolutely amazing testimony, amazing podcast. And I just want to thank you, brother, uh, for your time and your patience and just being an absolute true sport and gent in answering all my fanboy wrestling nerdy 
questions as well as everything to do with the ministry. Um, at the very end of the podcast, brother, now um, I would just like you to pray us out, please, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, I, I'd be honored. So, Lord, we just uh, bow our hearts, humble our hearts before you now. And, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for Dave and, and all you're doing in and through him with Wrestling with Faith and through this podcast. And, uh, the broad audience that he's reaching, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would even expand his reach with this podcast. And Lord, let it go to many, many, many countries around the world and all of those he interviews and the stories that are shared would grip and touch the hearts of his listeners. Those who know Christ that listen in, Lord, would deepen their faith in Christ. And Lord, for those who maybe don't know Christ, that this is a, just a, a tool in your hands to reach out to those who don't know Christ and they would come to the faith and become a follower of Jesus through this man of God, Lord. I thank you for the privilege of hearing just a short part of his story and how you're transforming his life. I pray your blessing over his family, your covering, your guardian angels, watching over and protecting them and, and all they put their hands to and we just say, uh, we say this, I say this, I love you. I'm on record to say, I love you, Lord. Grateful for what you've done in and through me and all you're going to do in the future for, for all of us. We'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise because you truly deserve it all. And I pray these things in that precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. That was beautiful, brother. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Wrestling With Faith with Nikita Koloff. God bless you all, and thank you very much, Mr. Nikita Koloff. Je